0: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: NBA playoff action is in full swing. We're in the conference semifinals now and the action is heating up. As the playoff action heats up, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is back with a can't-miss offer. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If you are looking to turn a small bet into a big payday, DraftKings Sportsbook's Same Game Parlays is the place to do that. Create your very own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, assists, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a chance for an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free backup with $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code Seasons and bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
0: I'm plugging Forgotten
1: Seasons. Welcome back to Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today we got one that I'm really excited about, a guy that is definitely a fan favorite on Forgotten Seasons. Andre Miller, talking 2010 Portland Trailblazers. We got Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Andre leading the charge. Kind of a tough season for the Blazers. Yes, they won 50 games, but both Greg Oden and Brandon Roy saw injuries really take over their career. Despite all that, Andre did his thing. He played all 82 games. He scored a career-high 52 points and helped salvage what could have been a, a disaster of a season into a really respectable one. As we have covered before, the West 2010, one of the best years ever. All eight teams that made the playoffs had 50 or more wins. That's only the second time that's happened. 2008 is that other year. Let's get into it now. Quick reminder, check out the rest of the Showtime basketball catalog. All the Smoke KG certified What's Burnin' Iverson Classic. Bringing you guys the heat every week. Definitely tap in. Make sure to drop a rating and a review. Let's get into this one. Andre Miller on the 2010 Blazers begins right now. Welcome, everybody, to Forgotten Seasons. Welcome to Andre Miller, the professor. Dre, how's it going today, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Before we get into Portland talk, I want to quickly ask you about your experience last week in Memphis at the Iverson Classic. We were there together, had a lot of NBA guys there, J.R. Smith, Bonzi Wells, Stephen Jackson, Darius Miles. What was your experience and also speak on the game's significance to you as it relates to, to A.I.?
2: Yeah, man, um, Memphis was a, a, a great trip for me. Um, I've been out of the loop as far as traveling, you know, especially with COVID and being around basketball. And, you know, one of my neighbors, Jelani McCoy, who uh, helps out with production and so forth, invited me to come out there and check it out. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I hadn't followed Allen Iverson, but, um, you know, he's doing great things for his community, the community of Memphis, you know, giving these kids a platform to express their talent and, and go on to hopefully, you know, be successful citizens or whether NBA or whatever, but he's, he's doing his job as far as giving back to the community. So, you know, um, you know, his de- his legacy is le- definitely living on, you know, I enjoyed playing against him all those years, you know, it was tough, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, he's one of the greatest competitors that ever played the game. So I enjoy just being out there and, and being a part of it and su- supporting it.
1: Well, we'll have to have you back next year. And, and I think I speak for the entire Showtime family, but you know, whenever you feel like p- hopping around, you're always welcome. Yeah. So headed into the season of focus today, 2010 Portland trailblazers. This is your 11th season in the league. Your fifth team, the blazers are coming off a 54 win season in Oh nine. They got Brandon Roy, who's one of the bright young superstars in the game. They bring in you and Juwan Howard in the offseason, you sign a three-year deal with Portland. Quickly take us through just your decision-making process in that summer, uh, who you were talking to and why you ultimately ended up in Portland.
2: Well, the, the summer, the summer was tough. You know, leaving Philly, you know, I, I wanted to stay in Philly and and uh play with those young guys and build from there. And and, you know, you know, it wasn't too many options for me as far as, you know, navigating through the free agency and and Portland came aboard and, you know, offered me a deal. You know, I saw who they had on the team and, you know, what their expectations was of me and, and trying to help them get, get over the hump and get to the playoffs. And I thought it was a fit, good fit. You know, it was probably one of my only, maybe one of maybe two or three options that I thought was the best for me. So I took that and, you know, the rest was history. I had a good time there and, you know, we went to the playoffs a couple of times and, you know, it was a good experience. Mm.
1: So when I was reading, looking back at the pieces that were coming out back then, no surprise, but the GM, Kevin Pritchard, really praised early on just the, the veteran presence that you brought to the room. He called you the director. Um, and obviously, you, know, you were in the league for, for a little over 15 years, but this is year 11. Who were the guys sort of early on in your career, your, your influential OGs that taught you how to be a leader both on and off the court in the locker room?
2: Well, I think back then it was a lot different because you had a lot of veterans in the locker room, a lot mm-hmm. of veteran influence, and, and I just kind of monitored how guys took, uh, took care of themselves and how they went about their business. And, you know, back then it was, you know, you just got to lead by example and earn your respect uh, from those older guys. It wasn't a lot of talking, so I couldn't, you know, say, hey, man, I need you to practice harder. Or, I need you to do this, or, you know it wasn't like that back then. That's where you actually lost respect by by talking too much. So um, guys that I kind of, you know, you know, looked at as far as, you know, professionals in the business was like a Bimbo Coles, um, Clarence Weatherspoon, you know, so Jonas Ilgaskis was a little bit older than me. Brevin Knight, Brevin Knight was maybe a couple years older than me, you know, just, just guys that I monitored on a daily basis that, You know, I'm like, these guys are going to be around a long time. You know, they're good people. And it was, I just went out there and did my job. And and that's where I earned my respect.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it comes up a lot when I talk to these guys about how today there isn't that true veteran leadership in locker rooms in the league. People get cut off from the league when they're like 33, 34, whereas back then, you know, 38, 39 year olds. So um, that's definitely interesting to hear. Going on to, to the roster, I mentioned Brandon Roy, one, one of my favorite players of all time. And, and this season is unfortunately really the last that we see of Brandon Roy, the superstar, before his, his injuries really start to get to him. What are your first memories of, you know, walking into to practice or a game with Brandon Roy? And, and what did you see there?
2: Man, you know, when I went into practice, I was like, this, this might be one of the most um, complete rosters that I was on. You know, you got Brandon Roy, you got a uh, Joe Prisbilla. I think, actually, I think that was both years he was actually hurt. But, you know, both years were, were teams that were complete. And I felt that, you know, health wise, we can compete, compete in the playoffs if we stay healthy. And, you know, to have a guy like that, you know, you know, a budding superstar, you know, the sky's the limit when you got big guys and wings that could defend and run, and then you got a star that you could play through. You know, I was excited about the opportunity. It's just that, you know, the injuries hit him, the injuries hit Greg Oden. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was just an unfortunate situation, but, you know, guys were able to step up. It was, it was, it was veterans in that locker room, Marcus Camby, um, Nick Baton, Mm -hmm. martell webster jawan howard jawan howard you know uh gerald wallace that was next year it was it was was, was next year but yeah both both those years were complete teams and it's just unfortunate that you know a guy that's from right up the road in seattle Mm -hmm. is a is a is a star in this league and he's dealing with injuries so you know he's a good dude you know things didn't work out for him like he wanted but he went on to have a a great coaching career in, in, in high school back at his hometown. So, you know, it was a good experience for all of us at that time.
1: You guys win 50 games in a West that's loaded, and you only get 65 games out of Brandon Roy, and Greg Oden's season gets cut short, you know, 21 games in. So those are two of your your main guys, but you still win 50 games. Do you feel like the ceiling was much higher for that team had it not been for injuries?
2: Oh, I mean, that team was actually built – you know, now that I think about it, that team health wise, we would have stayed healthy. We could have played with anybody in the league, um, you know, all the way maybe to possibly the if everybody's healthy, to possibly make a conference finals run. You know, I even forgot to mention LaMarcus Aldridge. You know what I'm saying? That guy's a hall of famer. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot of talent, man. It's just unfortunate that the injuries were there. And, and you got to understand the, the the Western Conference was super loaded. You know, it was super talented. Teams were loading up. The Dallas Mavericks, I think, won one of those years the championship. 11.
1: This was the Lakers. You
2: know so you got the Lakers. It was just so competitive, man. So I was just happy to be a part of the of the Western Conference in the league at that time when it was so competitive.
1: Hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that deep dive in a little bit. Uh, circling back to to Greg Oden, like I mentioned, twenty one games. His his season is cut short, and then unfortunately. That's kind of the last we, we see of him for, for almost five years. But in that, in that 21 game stretch, if you remember in opening the season, he was really good. I mean, he's averaging like pretty much a double, double two and a half blocks. What do you remember from Greg Oden at that time?
2: Man, at that time, you gotta understand, I was a little bit older still. Yeah, you know,
1: 33?
2: Like, yeah, 33 years old. And, you know, it was probably like at that time, maybe a, maybe two or three guys, maybe two guys, that I felt that was kind of like a, could be like a Shaq rep, replica, you know? I thought Greg Oden could have been that dominant, you know, being that size and that athletic, him. And I think Eddie Curry, Eddie Curry was a big guy and these guys, you couldn't move them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was there when he went down with that knee injury and you know, it was it was just it was just crazy. I felt bad for him, and then right after, I think within the next week, Joe Prince-Billa went down with the same injury. Crazy. And, um, you know, it was just 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 tough for guys. It's, it's hard to stay healthy when you're that big, and you know anything can happen. He just jumped up in the air, and I just remember. It you know, him falling out and, you know, but, you know, he he's went on to figure it out for the rest of his career and life and, you know, much success to him. But, you know, those were years that it was very, very competitive. And I was hoping guys stay healthy.
1: Well, we mentioned the West. This is only one of two years ever that every team that made the playoffs had 50 wins. You have OKC at the eight seed with Durant and Westbrook with 50. And then the Lakers at the one seed with Gasol and Kobe at 57. Uh, You touched on it a little bit earlier, but kind of just interested to hear if you remember, like what teams did you remember matching up with the most and maybe enjoy those rivalries? I mean, you got OKC, San Antonio, uh, Utah with Darren Williams, Denver with Melo and Chauncey, Phoenix, who you guys see in the playoffs with Nash and Amari. Was there one team or maybe matchup that you remember from that time that one maybe pushed you and two, you just have memories of today?
2: Man, I remembered all those games, you know, um, you know, especially the ones with, you know, a team that trades you, you know, mm. and, um, you know, I still remember going to sit in the stands to watch Denver and the Lakers in the conference finals. And, you know, I looked forward to playing against that team. Of course, you know, the Dallas Mavericks with with kid Terry and the whiskey and, you know, the veterans they had on that team and the Lakers. I mean, uh, the jazz the Rockets. Every team was good, and I just looked for it. It was a it was a challenge every night just to, you know, know that every night you could you couldn't take a night off. You couldn't take a night off. Guys were hungry. Guys were competitive, and then you got the young KD. That team was probably the biggest team that I, you know. The Lakers were big, but as far as wings, like that OKC team with Harden, Durant, Jeff Green. Cephalosa Ibaka I mean it was it was it was like the league started to change right before my eyes with with the amount of talent that was in the west so you know I I enjoyed all the all the games playing against those guys
1: and then at the point guard position specifically I think it's interesting we have kind of a changing of generations like Steve Nash and Jason Kidd who are still in the west they're kind of you know at the tail end of their careers but then you got guys like Westbrook, uh, Rajon Rondo, Darren Williams, Chris Paul, all coming up. Um, so there's a, a real change of guard. I, I know that they're all great, but was there one or two guys from that team maybe that I mentioned that 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 you just really liked matching up against and maybe kind of gave you a little bit of difficulties at times?
2: Man, they all start to get, give me difficulties, you know, especially as I'm older and you, you go from Garden, Chauncey Billups, Darren Williams... Tony Parker, you know, we were all getting older. And then you got Chris Paul, then you got Lillard, you got Westbrook with the young legs, you got Curry coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, what's going on here? You know, it was it was like a hybrid, you know, they took the game from the point guard, the little guy position, and it just, it just like, went over that cliff as far as, you know, the shooting, the ball handling skills, you know, just just their movement and shooting alone, they just took it to another level. So, you know, those type of guards that that played on all three levels, they could shoot it from deep, they could shoot it from mid range, they could ball handle, they could finish. And that was something that took the lead to where it was today once those guys started coming in.
1: Anybody in the league today, like remind you of yourself, I mean, like a true floor general, maybe, maybe not, not jumping through the gym, but, but is able to really just like be a elite game manager without that explosive athleticism or or three level scoring.
2: Man. Um, I don't really think about it that much, you know, um, you know, I like Lonzo ball, Mm. you know, um, I
1: like that. Yeah. Of
2: course he's a lot taller than me, but you know, he's a pass first, Past first guy and you know a lot of people criticize him for his shooting but you know he, he he's proven to be a, a pretty good shooter if you put him you know his career stats versus a Jason Kidd as far as three pointers made and attempted he's right there the thing with me is you know I was an opportunist shooter from deep you know and I got Chris. I oh he's a bad shooter well you know if you watch the NBA nowadays guys don't don't hover and and shove out three-point half-court shots at the end of quarters. And I didn't shoot a lot of threes, but, you know, at the end of quarters, i say for my career, I probably shot about 30 or 40 40 shots from half-court trying to make a shot at the end of the quarter, and then that make your percentages go down. So, you know, the analytics part, that's why you don't see guys taking those type of shots because it's a low-risk shot and it messes with their, you know, their their three-point percentage. So, You know, I thought I was a great shooter, but you know, um, you know that's just not what I what my specialty was. Now, you know, it's 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 three levels. You know, these guys are shooting the ball. They wake up and it's encouraged to shoot that three. You know, Mm -hmm. you got guys shooting ten to thirteen three pointers a game. One guy, where you know, you know, Chauncey Billups was a great shooter. He probably shooting like maybe four, if that, three or four three pointers the Darren Williams of the world, those guys maybe shoot three or four three-pointers a game because they had to be floor generals first. So, you know, the game is a lot, lot different now.
1: It definitely is. There is a, always a soft spot in my heart for the 2000s, early 2010s games. NBA playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If you are looking to turn a small bet into a big payday look no further than DraftKings Sportsbook, with their same game parlays, you can do just that. Take player combos, money lines, spreads, total threes made, and more, and boom, you have a shot for an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free backup with $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FORGOTTENSEASONS. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code Forgotten Seasons only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Pivoting a little bit back to, to the Blazers, like I said, 50, 50, wins in the regular season. If you were to remember or describe the team's offense, thinking about what coach Nate McMillan preached in practices, you know, what what were your guys's. Principles that that you tried to bring into to every game that maybe came down from you and Nate.
2: I think um, Nate McMillan is a, is a great coach. You know, um, he played in the league in the era where I thought the era was probably the best era of basketball. Not know,
1: early like. '90s, late '80s. Yeah,
2: yeah, like the the late '80s and the, to the probably like the mid '90s, '98 with the Bulls. He played against those guys, so he understands you know, basketball on all levels, and that's the respect that I have for him. You know, I think the team that we had was so versatile, we could play up-tempo or we can play slow basketball, you know, and and throw the ball into the post to Greg Oden or LaMarcus Aldridge. So, you know, but at that time, the the league was starting to change. You know, the league wanted to see more up-tempo basketball, less hand-checking, and I think Nate McMillan, Nate Mcmillan got caught in the kind of in the middle of transitioning, you know, letting the reins go a little bit and letting us get up and down the court. So we were methodical, but it was like an opportunity opportunity to run, we'll take advantage. If not, we had to execute. and I understood that. so you know it was just the transitioning years of the younger younger teams coming in and you know getting up more field goal attempts so Nate definitely did a great job with us. You know, unfortunately it was tough for him because he had to deal with the injuries, but you know, he helped build that, that team and that organization to a respectable, respectable uh, organization that transferred over to Lillard coming in.
1: Definitely. Uh, shout out to Nate McMillan. Uh, I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about LaMarcus Aldridge, cause we, we did kind of gloss over him. You mentioned Hall of Famer, probably one of the best mid-range shooters for a big ever maybe we could say you're coming off a pick and roll. I mean, do you prefer playing with a a pick and pop an elite pick and pop presence or more of a roller, or does it not matter for you?
2: It doesn't matter for me. I knew I I, over 50% of the time. If we ran a pick and roll, I knew that I I was able to create a good shot for somebody or myself. And um, I knew LaMarcus Aldridge from, from 15 to 18 feet he was pretty much automatic. So it was always my bailout to, if I was able to create some, I know Lamarcus, you know, just watching him in warmups, he's taking that shot. It was like, you know, a layup for him. So, you know, not only do teams have to rotate, then I can attack the basket and, you know, kick the ball out to the other side of the court. And I just enjoyed, he actually probably one of my favorite players that I played with because he was so versatile, you know, he could run to the rim, you could throw it to the rim and catch the lobs. You could throw it in the post and get out of his way. And then his pick and pop game, you know, was probably, I say, one of the best in in, in the history of basketball.
1: Definitely. And he's still going too. you got to, you got still kicking. So 50 wins in the, in, in the regular season, you guys go into the playoffs and you get the Suns, Steve Nash, Amari, Jason Richardson. If you look at the stats, this is kind of the Jason Richardson series. He averages like 25 a game, shoots it at over 50% from three. Uh, What do you remember today from that series?
2: Man, that series, man. I I also remember Brandon Roy, you know, um, fighting. You know, it was pretty much the whole year. And then Nate threw him in there, I think, when it was like a closeout game, I believe. I'm not sure, but. You know that was a that was a team that was transitioning. That's the Mike D'Antoni era. Um, I think mm-hmm. Steve Nash was MVP two years in a row around that time. I'm not sure. Yep. But the way they played was the way teams play now. You know, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, and then you surround the three with Jason Richardson, Dudley, Grant hey. Hill. Uh, I think Barbosa was on that team. I don't know if it was Barbosa or Goran Drogic. I mean, they they were shooting at three at such a high clip that, you know, you had to worry about, you know, Nash and Stoudemire, but, you know, that series was won at the three-point line. And, um, you know, they shot the ball a lot more than us. And, you know, we played methodical basketball, but the the game was just so up-tempo. You know, it was, it, was, it was tough for us to adjust, you know, playing against, you know, Hall of Famers like that.
1: You surprised that like a Mike D'Antoni team led team has never made the finals. And you think there's a reason for that? Or you think it's just kind of the, the grind of the postseason bounces go in certain ways?
2: I think Mike, De- Mike D'Antoni is probably one of the greatest genius geniuses ever to come through the NBA as far as his style of basketball. You know, and I, I'm not going to say that, you know, his style can't win a championship you gotta look at the teams that he was playing against. You know what I'm saying? You gotta test that. San Antonio Spurs was always good. The Lakers. Then on the East Coast, you got Miami. You got, you know, it was great teams everywhere. So it just, you know, a time in the era where, you know, you got the Lakers, you got the Suns, you got, you know, the Spurs, you got Denver. You know, like it's hard to win you know, when you playing against teams that that's having three guys, that's have, three guys that are Hall of Famers, I mean, he wasn't going to beat San Antonio. You know, I, I don't know if they beat the Lakers, you know. So, I mean, his system can win. It's just about, you know, the teams that, that are in the conference at that time and what type of players. So, I liked his system and the way he played, and, and that's why the teams now are playing the way they are now, because of the way he plays.
1: Is that a coach that you wish you, you could have got the chance to play from for and, and, and run that offense?
2: Well, I think all the, all the coaches are pretty much similar. It's just about how they deal with the egos and personalities of the players. I think the one thing that made D'Antoni different was, was his style, and, and he, he encouraged the guys and, and gave them freedom. You know, there wasn't any repercussions for those guys jacking up 35, 43 pointers, you know, and that's the way, you know, back then, like, okay, you know, this three-pointer is not a good shot unless you're wide open. Now there's no repercussions. So, you know, maybe I could have played for him because, you know, then then maybe my stats have been higher far far from shooting from three and, and just being able to create, you know, a lot more and do a lot more on my shoulders playing for a coach like him. So it would have probably been cool to play for him because of the freedom.
1: You think we would have seen a little bit more fifty balls from you if I if, uh, didn't mention it? But this is the year that you score fifty-two against Dallas, your career high. Um, one of one of my favorite fifty-point games ever. Uh, what, what do you remember from that game? Brandon Man, Roy I, was out. Was, I think Odin was out.
2: Yeah, uh, it was just, you know, it, it was it was a it was a it was a fun time, but it was a stressful time just because of those guys being injured you know, the responsibilities on my shoulder as a veteran. And it was just something that I put on myself. But, you know, that was just a game where, you know, it just it just flowed that way. It just flowed that way. I didn't go, go looking to say, okay, I'm going to go try to score these amount of points. That's just the way the game developed. The, the one thing that I liked, it, it was against a veteran team and it was against a team that won the championship. So, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, I think Dallas was, you know, number one, number two ranked defense in the league.
1: They got Jason so, Kidd too. One Jason of
2: Kidd, Jason Terry, Barrera, Sean Marion, Stevenson, Tyson Chandler. I mean, that team was stacked. So, you know, to be able to do it on their court against, you know, shoot, they might have five, six Hall of Famers on that team. I don't mm-hmm. know. But, you know, it, it was definitely a good feeling.
1: Mm. No doubt. So you guys lose to Phoenix in six, and then sort of just talk about quickly, the, the next year you guys have a similar season, 48 wins, I think you guys lose to Dallas in the first round again in six, then you're traded to to Denver. How did how did that all just shake out, you know, the next year in Portland and then and then you getting traded?
2: Man, I mean, I think my whole career, it, it, I mean, it, it, every NBA player tell you that, you know, it goes by so fast and, and you wish certain things didn't happen. And, um, you know, you know my the, the initial trade early on for me going from Cleveland to the Clippers, I never wanted that trade, but it was, I mean, that trade had to happen for the Cleveland Cavaliers to get LeBron. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the actual, you know, trade that kind of hit me was, you know, we had a great team in Denver and then I'm the first to get traded. I'm like, you know, I kind of took it personal, but then, you know, I wanted to be there and you know, things happen for a reason, and, you know, I found my way back to Denver, and, um, you know, with a with a younger group, um, and and I had fun, you know, George Carl gave me the opportunity to, you know, just kind of do things and, and, and float things with the team on my own and be creative, and we kind of fed off each other, you know, so I was pretty much, that was probably like, you know, more of the extension of the coach, probably the best situation for me as far as really being an extension of the coach and him let me allow me to do things and make decisions for myself and the players.
1: Hmm. Well I mean it all resulted in one of the most storied careers that we've seen at the point guard position. Um with all of your 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 years of experience and knowledge, I do have to ask you a few questions, just real quick hitters. Uh who are the guys you know that came before you, if you could name maybe three or four at the point guard position that you studied as you were growing up that, that you tried to take pieces of their game, put into yours.
2: Man. um, Of course I watched Magic Johnson just because I'm an LA kid and it was Showtime era, just the way he passed and, and and made the game fun for his teammates. I think his teammates enjoyed playing with him. So I watched him a lot growing up. Um, I watched Gary Payton you know, I got a chance to play against Gary Payton too. And, you know, I tried to take something not just from the point guards, um, but I would watch, I would watch Kevin McHale. I would watch James Worthy. I would watch Mark Jackson. You know, I just tried to take something from every player not just, I mean, just watching TV and watching how they post up or how they pass. And I just kind of applied that to my game and, And my thing was going into the NBA. I knew I I knew I could score the ball, but that you know the NBA is a game of uh, with guys that are are professional guys that that do something great. They all do something great. You're the great shooter, a great rebounder, a great defender, a great passer. So I wanted to be a, a you know I know I could score. Everybody could score, but I wanted to stand out a different way. As far as let me be the best passer. Uh, and lead by example and be available at all times to the point where, you know, guys will say, you know what, I want to play with Miller. I want to play with Miller. You know, he's going to pass me the ball. You know, he's going to help me get in a position to, to get a nice contract or something like that. So that's what I kind of pr- uh, prided myself on through my NBA career. So I watched, I watched all those guys, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton. You know, I learned a lot from uh, John Stockton just by being in Utah and being that close yep. to the jazz and being able to play pickup balls in the summer and, and see how they carry themselves. So you know it just wasn't just one person. It was a, it was a, a group of people that just stood out that helped me develop into an NBA player.
1: You mentioned being available. You played, I think 12 or 13 seasons where you played all 82. Was there any behind, like obviously you're taking care of your body, any, any secrets to the trade of, of keeping yourself available or was it just playing through injuries, staying tough? And then what do you think of today with all the load management and 82 game seasons being almost non-existent?
2: Well, I think, you know, for me, it was a pride thing and wanting to be on the court and, and not wanting to fall out of favor with management or a coach. It was just, it was just my makeup. You know, I enjoy playing basketball. I enjoy competing. You know, I, I didn't worry about the stats. -hmm. You know, and and you know, if I did do load management, I probably would have instead of averaging 12, 13, 14 points a game, I'd probably be averaging 18, 19 points a game if I had load management. And but but my thing was it wasn't about stats, it was about, you know, this is a dream come true for a lot of these guys. You know, you grow up, you watching TV, you watching people, you look up to and you play the sport, and then you get there, and I'm like, you know, hey, I've realized my dream. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get over 100 percent out of my body. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get the most out of my body. And I wanna play against the greatest players ever. So I wasn't gonna take any nights off. And that's the issue that I have with a lot of the players today. You know, you have these dreams, you know, the Ben Simmons of the world, Kyrie's. And if you look across the NBA board, I think probably over 50% of players probably only play like 64, 65 games. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they do that and then they go ask for a lot of money. It's great to get all that get all that money, but you got to be able to back it up and be selfless and be available for your team. So that's something I took pride in, you know, and and the thing is, when I walked away from the game, it was on my own terms because I felt like I got the most out of my body. I got the most out of my skills and, and I did everything that I wanted to do while in the NBA, except win the championship or make an all-star team. But I, you know, my thing was being around guys and helping guys get nice contracts, you know, passing the ball and, and have fun playing basketball, being a kid out there and not letting the business of basketball, you know, ruin your passion for the sport. So that's why I was so committed to the game.
1: Respect. Um, what one last one before we get at, get you out of here. Uh, I wanna hear, in your opinion, not the top point guards of all time, but if you can give me four or five floor generals that you look at at the history of basketball you think are are the cream of the crop.
2: Man, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, Jason Kidd, um, Gary Payton, those guys, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to see the Oscar Robinsons, you know what I'm saying, you know, but I'm sure he was a, a great leader, but these are the guys that, that I saw in my era, the youngest being Jason Kidd, probably of that, of that group. And I put Chris Paul in there, you know, the, the things that he's accomplished, you know, in his career for that size, you know, he's up there. Those guys are great leaders, great floor generals, they led by example, and their feel their feel and understanding for the game, and I'm sure there's a lot more other guys, and, and some of them are not even point guards. Their feel for the game and understanding of the game is is on such a level, it's like like, like having a PhD in basketball or something like that. You know what I'm saying? If, if I had to give that analogy I love it you know to to academics these guys are professionals in their in their crafts and and, you know they're they're people that you want to be around people that you want to listen to and 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 soak up as much as you can and and that's what I admire about those type of talents they're selfless people and they want to help people around them get better and that's what I admired about those, those, those type guys.
1: I love that PhDs in basketball. I'm a, I'm a steal that and credit you. I love um, <laughs> and then just lastly, I mean, you know, you've been, been away from, from the NBA for what is it? Six, six years now, any, any thoughts or plans uh, on if, and when maybe you want to put yourself back, you know, into that league, or are you just, just, just chilling away from it?
2: I don't know, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm a giving person. I've been sitting down and, and I watch the sport. You know, every night I'm watching college basketball or NBA basketball. So I'm still a student of the game and I'm watching how the game evolves and, and where I could possibly find my niche. You know, You know, six years, six years and two of those years of COVID. You know, and it, it was a chance for me to recover you know, recover and feel like, you know, my body was so beat up that I didn't even know it was beat up, you know, because I was used to the lifestyle and the grind. But, you know, those things, you know, catch up with you when you start to get older. So it's just, you know, recovering mentally, physically, but I do feel that, you know, I can provide um some uh knowledge and 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 uh, help with the game, whether on the NBA level or on the college level. I think more probably on the college level and high school level because the kids are losing uh, the um, the knowledge of the game and and how to play basketball the right way. So I think I I think I would be fit possibly on the college level just to teach the game, teach the game and and have that time to to spend. You know, the professional. The professional game is in good hands. The NBA is in good hands with the amount of uh, knowledge and, and people around the league. I, I think there needs to be more players uh, coaching on the college level, retired players, teaching the game, teaching the game the right way rather than, you know, just, just you know, taking it for granted. So that's where I see myself at hopefully in the next few
1: years. Well, I think any team would be lucky to to have you as a mind and a voice inside that organization. So look forward to seeing where how things shake out and where you end up. Again, thank you for your time today. Uh, 2010 Blazers, interesting interesting time period in, in Blazers history. I think some unfortunate turns. Uh, would have been great to see what, what would have come out of it if their big guns would have stayed healthy. And maybe you could have stayed there along that ride. But just thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having
1: me. Thank you guys for tapping in this week. We will be back next week. Got a big guest coming. Definitely keep your eyes out for that. Drop a rating and a review and I'll see you next week. Peace.